Prayer is that consistent thing throughout your life mm-hmm. that has kept you. So you have that conversion moment and it's continued until this point. Where where and how does prayer truly play that, still playing that central role in your life? Well, my mom is still alive. And my mom is still praying. She's praying. She's a praying woman. She's a warrior. She she used to do intercession shifts at our church. She would wow. be interceding. Um, you know, you got that. And then, of course, I'm married now to you know a a a, a, a wife that her parents are very much. You know, we have prayer coming our ways from all over the place, and of course, our own time as well, our own prayers, and it's super crucial. Um, you know. I think of prayer kind of in a way of like continuously involving God in our day to day. Yeah. Because a lot of people make it to seem like this mystical thing and you know and uh you know they'll try to learn bible verses and recite them and mm-hmm. all these things and I think that that's just religion. Prayer for me is really having a conversation with with God and having a conversation with my creator, my provider, you know. Um and and prayer is also being grateful. I usually start my prayers with just gratitude. And that someone who, you know, doesn't know how to pray, which I'm sure people that are listening to this doesn't know, oh, like, how do I pray? That's one of, that's common. It's not unusual. A lot, and a lot of Christians don't. And a lot of Christians don't. Right. How to pray, how to pray. How to pray. And and it's one of those things that the easiest way for you to kind of think about that or, or wrap your head around it is like, you know, what are you grateful for? You can be in, in the most, you know, the bottom of of the bottom of your life, and there's still something to be grateful for. There's nothing that there's no situation in life that we can be in that we can't be grateful. Yeah. In any moment, right? Um, and that's my true belief. And I haven't gone through anything so crazy to where it would be extremely hard for me to find the good in. But I know you have, and you're grateful. You know, I'm, I'm sure we've, many people yeah, have this. We've, we've had our yeah. Yeah, and then, share and then within that, I remember in the podcast that we did yeah. for my podcast, you still found a way to be grateful for what God was doing, and you be still was able, you still were able to find that good in it. Yeah, gratitude is definitely like it's a mindset that you have to chase after. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you just are naturally prone, unless you've done it over and over again, you have to fight for it because mm-hmm. there's always that moment of like something can take it away. Yes. Like anything. I can be, take this Vegas traffic. It's raining and people don't oh, know how to act. Oh, it's water. <laughs> what do we do? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm literally in the car this morning and I I hit a good little string of songs where I'm like, man, the, the, I'm, a, I'm a gospel guy. I'm like, yeah. man, these songs, it's hitting. They're Let's hitting right go. now. And then I'm like, why are we slowing down in traffic? And I'm like, <laughs> Chris, did you really just stop praising God? Because you know the people in front of you, you can't drive. <laughs> still got to work on time. Still got yep, like yep. did all the things I was supposed to do. But in yeah. that moment, like, and then I'm like, oh wait, stop. And then you go right back in. And right. I feel like that's the same for anything. Like life happens. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there might be moments where you can actively change what's happening. But the one thing that I can change is being grateful for the moment, for what I have, for the season of life that I'm in. So it's it's definitely something that has to be fought for. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's a choice too. Like people choose to be bitter all their lives. People choose to be, you know, happy in yeah. despite what they may be going through, yeah. right? I think there was a documentary or something like that. Um, I think it's on Netflix. 
I, I want to say it's called Happy or Smile, one of those two. Correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong in the comments or something. But it was basically the study of, you know, um, circumstances and uh, uh, physical um, assets and stuff like that is not what drives happiness. Mm -hmm. There's people that are living in Africa and people that are living in remote locations that are happier than people that are living in the United States that have a car, that have a roof over, that have AC and all these things. So True. it doesn't tie back to possessions and all these things, but it's, you know, kind of having that attitude of, you know, being happy and grateful and all these things. And I, I think that gratitude in of itself um, unlocks a lot of the blessings that God has for us. Do you think being not just totally ingrained from the very beginning in American culture and having that opportunity to grow up in the Dominican Republic where, you know, yeah, you're, you're middle class by their standards, but mm -hmm. you're still like, okay, there's still lower class still by US standards than being in America. Like, yeah. do you feel like that has a impact on your ability to be, look at things and be like, oh no, we can be grateful in all things. 110%. Um, and the moment, especially because I had tasted what it was like to live in the US mm -hmm. by coming to Miami a couple of times and knowing how it was to, you know, have central AC system and wow. and the light not going out every day for a couple hours and and not have to experience extreme heat because you live in this concrete house that literally turns into an oven when the the beaming sun is hitting it for, you know, 14 hours a day or whatever it is. Wow. Um to, you know, um having my grandma come come to when we're watching TV, literally a five, no, not five, like a 10 inch tube TV, these little small ones that Jeez. my brothers and I, my brother and I and my cousins would fight over what we're going to watch. And then my grandpa wants to watch baseball too. So uh -huh. we're all trying to wrestle through what are we going to watch? Um, you know, for sure, seeing poverty um, firsthand, not that we necessarily experienced it to that level, but it was around us. Was we around. could see kids walking without shoes and just with underwear on and, you know, um, not having to eat and, and asking for money and all these things. We saw it firsthand. Um, so absolutely, it, it molded me. Like at the time, like I was saying, I did dread it at the time because I experienced what it was like here in the U.S. And I would always, my mom, she would call in and I would say, and I'm sure, like, I know how hard it was for her to hear her sons um, constantly tell her, like, when are we leaving? When are we going back home? And, um, you know, putting myself in her position as an adult or someone who can reason, like, imagine as a mother, like, imagine, like me, now that I have two kids, that I'm so far away from my kids that they're constantly telling me, when am I, when am I coming to see you? Like, when am I going to go back to, to you? Mm -hmm. And this happened for on and off 10 years, right? So it's, it sucked at the time. I'm not even going to front. Like it was bad. Um, we, we, um, we weren't having a, the best of time from the sense of like, we knew what we were missing out of yeah. out in the, in the U S but even that we still had an amazing childhood because, um, we had like my grandparents, my aunt was, a, she played a really big role also in our upbringing in DR. And uh, they were very strict, right? Because my mom is in the US trying to make a life for us and foundation for us to come over there. And then they felt that responsibility to making sure that me and my brother were good, yeah. <laughs> that something didn't happen. So they were pretty strict. So we lived in a cul-de-sac in a, in a neighborhood where it was a 
we were at the corner of this cul-de-sac and we could only play from a little tree that's called a pino. Um, it's one of these like pine little trees that they turn into like little balls. Okay. And then they said from there on to the inside of the cul-de-sac is where you can play. You can never go anywhere this direction. So all of the kids in the neighborhood knew this. So literally there would be times there would be 20 kids that would come to hang out with us and play in with that, us in that little in that cul-de-sac in that yeah wow. and then they, we we couldn't go out to like 5 p.m because we had to do our homework and all of that and then there was kids outside calling my aunt calling my grandparents <laughs> asking if we can come out and play um and it was nice because you know even though we were restricted and all these different things we didn't have so much like my aunt she built us this makeshift uh basketball court with literally Piece of piece of plywood and a backboard that was. If you see, I wish I had pictures of it. And then she just bought this rim or found this rim and put it on there, and we would just play ball there for for hours. And all of the kids from the neighborhood would come and have, and we would just have fun there, ride bikes, scooters, all these things. So it was a very sound upbringing, mm -hmm. in that we weren't exposed to anything, you know, crazy. 